Te presentamos a la familia López. Fashion es su pasión. Vas a ver que estos flergies los va a tener todo el mundo. Y cuando se enteraron de que Walmart ahora tiene un probador virtual para su centro de visión... Fashion Show Virtual. Aquí viene Silvia con monturas preciosas de DKNY. Le sigue José en lentes de Nike y Sandra con lentes de Vivi que le quedan bellos. Con mis flare jeans. Pruébate todos los looks con el probador virtual de Walmart. Sube tu prescripción y compra tus lentes online para que te lleguen directo a casa. Bienvenido a un cuidado de visión más fácil. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Se si aplican restricciones. Visita walmart.com para más detalles. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. This is episode number eight of the Bowery Boys. Welcome to the home of Rosemary's baby. No dream, this is really happening. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at eurocheapo.com. Hello and welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. And this is Tom Myers. And uh, you're tuned in to another episode. And episode number eight. I can't believe it. We have a lot of new listeners out there. Uh, thank you for subscribing and giving us a chance. I hope we entertain you and inform you. And, uh, and also thank you to our friends at iTunes, I think we should say, for featuring us. On the front page, yeah. we were just as surprised as, <laughs> but it's, as many. But it's good. It's 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 good. It's getting us some exposure, and we're gonna we're gonna keep up that exposure by giving you two podcasts this week. As we uh, said in our last podcast, the themes are angels and demons. Mm. Uh, we're saving angels for the podcast later this week. And if you stay tuned at the end of this podcast, we'll actually tell you what angel we're going to focus on. Uh, for now, we're going to focus on demons. And in fact, we're going to look at New York through the prism of the classic 1968 film, Rosemary's Baby. Was creepy. <laughs> yes, that was actually Mia Farrow singing on the Rosemary's Baby theme. Wow. So anyway, the movie directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, let me tell you a little. If you haven't seen it, you should. Basically, the plot is it's a young couple who moves into this very fancy Upper West Side apartment building, and next to these two cantankerous like old folks, immediately the woman, uh, Rosemary, Mia Farrow, uh, suspects that the the neighbors might be Satanists, witches. Uh, she even has a dream that she's been raped by the devil. In fact, it's not a dream. She's ends up pregnant, and soon her whole world is paranoid. She thinks that everyone's against her. She thinks everyone's in a coven and a plot to take her baby. Hmm. You know, I won't ruin the ending, but she does try to escape and gets captured and, well, let's just say they weren't trying to capture the baby to sacrifice Okay, it. stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I want to see it again. I haven't seen it for a number of years. So anyway, but the cast really quickly... Ruth Gordon plays the cantankerous old lady. Right, next door. famous Broadway star. Yeah. And then uh, Mia Farrow, a classic New York actress in all Woody Allen films. But almost like the biggest. What year was the film? 
1968. Uh, And playing her husband actually is a a maverick director. He's Mm. much known for directing John Cassavetes, influential independent film director. He filmed a lot of his movies in New York, made Gina Rillins a huge star. Um, So those are, you know, the top three builds human actors. But to me, another one of the big stars is the Dakota apartment building. Right. And you had said that it, what was the name of the apartment building actually in the film? In in the film, it's called the Bramford. It's the not Bramford. called the Dakota. And the Bramford has a long history of like evil cannibalistic sisters and murder of infants. Like she finds out all this information. Lots of Satanists live there. The Dakota itself, with one blaring example, which we'll let, let you know about, actually has a little bit more of a cheerful history. Mm-hmm. And did they shoot the movie? In inside the Dakota, they didn't. They did not. Believe it or not, no film has actually been shot inside the Dakota, but it was used as interior, very dramatic and memorable interiors. If you remember the, if you've seen the first shot of Rosemary's Baby, it's a camera pan from one side of Central Park at the Metropolitan Museum of Art all the way to the Dakota. So the Dakota right. plays a real big part in creating the mood for the movie. But the interiors in the film of the Dakota are a little bit dismal, aren't they? Well, they're yeah, they are a little bit dismal. The, and they were filmed actually on a Hollywood set. Those aren't really how the Dakota inside. So what does the Dakota look inside? What do you what what do you know about it? You've been digging some well, stuff. Well, I've up. done a little research on the <laughs> bio, if you will, of the building. It's I mean, b- before the the construction of the Dakota, we have to go back to Edward Clark who is actually the the Singer sewing machine magnet who had made tons of money with his sewing machines. Wow. And now he was branching out, getting into uh, real estate. He had already designed and developed the Plaza Hotel. And they look, they do kind of look alike. They do. seen them, yeah. That yeah. That makes sense. And, and he had actually presented a paper to an association of uh, concerned Upper West Side residents called the City of the Future. Uh, and this I got out of the book Gotham by Burroughs and Wallace, and he was saying that to pull the, quote, right sorts of people northward required a mix of single-family homes and some truly striking apartment houses. Hmm. Now, you have to imagine at this time, we're talking 1870, 1880s. The, the con- yeah, the concept of, like, upper-class apartment buildings was kind of just new, right? Well, people were just, living right. in their huge mansions. Right. So he was trying to get people actually out of their own mansions and, and to rent luxury apartment buildings that were fully staffed. So it was, an, it was a new concept. At the same time, in the 1870s, mm-hmm. gold had just recently been discovered in the West, right. in the far-flung territories, the new territories like the Dakotas, <laughs> for instance. Lots of new money coming in. Right. right, and so Dakota actually signified distance. It signified mm-hmm. wealth. And this building that he was putting together actually embodied both of these things. Throughout the construction, it was constructed from 1880 to 1884. So, so did, is that how it was? That was actually how it was named. Well, the, there are there are a number of different legends, mm-hmm. I guess, surrounding the naming. But right, well, I had heard I had heard it's because he was building it kind of at that time that was so far out of sort of what the central circle of New York was mm. that it was like, oh, you might as well be building it in the Dakota territories. Is it, I mean, that's was that true? Well, according to Burroughs and Wallace, I mean, they're, they're saying that it was actually because of the significant significance of wealth and distance, mm-hmm. um, which are similar to what you're saying. Well, but after the construction of the Dakota, I mean, there were similarly named buildings that sprouted up on the Upper West Side, the Wyoming, Yosemite, Nevada, Montana. And then, of course, they started renaming the avenues to make them a little bit more glamorous. I mean, 11th Avenue became 
West End. Mm-hmm. Eighth Avenue became Central Park West. Gotcha. This all kind of happened around that same time. So then what did what did the actual building itself? I'm trying to get a sense of I mean, I only know it from ex- the exterior. What, right. Well, we how, can't did, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't really know for sure because we haven't done it. But. <laughs> podcasting press passes inside the Dakota. But uh it's situated on the corner of 72nd Street and Central Park West, mm-hmm. between 72nd and 73rd. It takes up really that entire block. The architect Henry Janeway Hardenberg uh designed it for Clark. Um, and it was built again from 1880 through 1884. There are 10 floors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The building shoots up about 110 feet. It's, okay. a, it's a square shape. It takes up the entire block. In the center, there's a central courtyard. Um, you would enter, right. if we were to enter, through the main giant arched uh, entrance on 72nd Street, right. if you can imagine that. The exterior has been described usually as North German Renaissance. Um, it's got a Gothic look to it, definitely. And, yeah. Right, and sort of features the Hanseatic Town Hall. I, I saw a reference to it. I don't if you know think, what that is. Well, if you think of a town hall, say, in Hamburg, you can actually oh, see okay. some, some similarities, you know, with high gables, balustrades, uh, terracotta, spandrels, uh, <laughs> if you will. Ornate and, ornate and very dark looking, yes. And, but, but still glorious. Yeah, I mean, even right. today, it's still glorious. Mm-hmm. The interior of the building is a little bit more typically French. You know, you have rooms that connect to each other. You could walk from room to room, yet they still also are connecting onto a central hallway. What was unusual at the time is that most apartment buildings didn't have rooms looking out both ways. So this certain rooms looked onto the courtyard mm-hmm. and certain rooms looked outside onto oh. the street and so overlooked that was, the park. that was considered a sort of a, a fancy way to live, to have like different windows looking in different directions. Yeah, if you could basically oh. open up all your windows and doors and have wind blow through the floor. Oh, that's swanky. I mean, that, that was, that was pretty swanky. new. Yeah. yeah. No, it has, I mean, but it had all these trappings of like of real wealth to it, right? Oh, there was, well, I mean, nothing like this had ever been built before. In the, mm-hmm. in the early days, there was a large dining hall downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you didn't want to cook your, well, if you didn't want to have your cooks whip up dinner, you could actually call for it and they would send it up through a dumb waiter D- system. Right, the dumb waiters, yes. I did read about Love those. Love that. Now, and I heard, is this true, that the, I mean, most of the floors had like, were like made of mahogany, cherry, I mean, just floors to die for in Manhattan, that his actual apartment, because Clark actually lived there himself, he had right. a floors, is this true, like sterling silver floors? That's what they How say. How yeah. does he get those clean? <laughs> I mean, not my cleaning lady. I mean, you know, it's hard enough cleaning sterling silver, but yeah, so yeah. Incredible. Anyway, but really high ceilings in some of them, right? Well, some went up as high as what was it, fifty, 50 feet? feet, right? Yeah, I think that would be probably in the top in the gabled rooftop that you can, of course, see from outside. There used to be children's playgrounds up there, play area up there. That has mm-hmm. since that's on the tenth floor. That's been converted. Um, gymnasium. Right, gymnasium. There. That's been converted into, of course, apartments. Right. Behind, there were tennis courts and croquet, croquet courts, and they so, even had their own in-house power generation happening. This was So basically, it's, it's, well, it sounds like it was a big magnet then for a lot of rich and famous people, right? In the decades before the Civil War, slavery's grip on America tightened. But soon, a diverse group of abolitionists, both black and white, began to construct a clandestine path to freedom for the enslaved. Hosted by Lindsey Graham, Wondry's podcast, American History Tellers, takes you to the events, times, and people that shaped America and Americans, our values, our struggles, and our dreams. 
In the latest series, American History Tellers explores the Underground Railroad, a covert network of secret routes and safe houses operated by men and women committed to helping enslaved people escape bondage in the South. Fugitive slaves and anyone helping them face terrible violence and even death if caught. But for those brave enough to risk the journey, the Underground Railroad offered a path to the northern states in Canada, where their freedom was assured. Follow American History Tellers on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge this season's American History Tellers, The Underground Railroad, early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Yeah, and prosperous people. Prosperous people. Let's put it that way. Because it but it was entirely rented mm-hmm. by the time that it was the construction was finished, mm-hmm. which was already kind of unbelievable. It was a big success. Um, but if, ironically, the millionaires and the fashionable people um, who I think that Clark was trying to attract didn't actually move in. It, it, it wasn't those people that were attracted. In fact, according to Gotham, not a single tenant made the social register of 1887. So it basically was the nouveau riche. It was the people who had just sort of made their money. It was Prosperous probably like- professionals and and businessmen and famous actors and and yeah, artists people I related guess. to the arts I and mean, and it has that reputation well, today if you, you, yeah if you look at the list of people who have lived there it's let's incredible let's look at that list <laughs> like andrew andrew carnegie the garland leonard bernstein lived there I mean, in fact his apartment was recently sold i just read um boris karloff uh, rudolph nureyev carson mccullers lauren mccall who still lives there and as a matter of fact Lauren McCall lived there when they were filming Rosemary's Baby, and she would come down and she would sort of like sit there. You can imagine her in like some sort of like a cardigan or something or a martini, I don't know, sitting there and watching them film the movie, you know, which is amazing to me. Incredible. Connie Chung. (laughs) And uh, most recently, Tom Cruise and. Katie. Now, have Holmes. they moved in? They or they just got the. I think place. they just. I think they just got it or something. I think that's the. Well, a lot of people latest. actually have have been blocked from acquiring yeah. apartments there. Um, Billy Joel tried rejected. to get an was rejected. Um, Gene Simmons was rejected. rejected. Now, but I think the most famous resident, the one that everyone knows for and tragic reasons, unfortunately. Uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono, he actually moved into the building four or five years. It was 1973, so it was like five years after the movie was made. And so he and Yoko lived there for several years. And then until until 1980, when they were coming back from the recording session, is when he was shot out front of the Dakota by Mark David Chapman. That was December 8th. December 8th. Yoko still lives in the building. And as a matter of fact, every year... There's this actually a part of Central Park called Strawberry Fields, which they built, you know, right next to the building in sort of honor of him. And so every year on December 8th, she comes out and they gather a huge group of uh, John Lennon fans and they just mourn his loss. And there's this really beautiful mosaic that says Imagine mm. that's written on there. And believe it or not, the tiles are actually from Pompeii. Wow. And they were donated wow. um, by the government of, as a gift of from Naples. Wow, that's incredible. And I think most of our listeners probably are familiar with that image of the imagined mosaic. I think it's probably one of the most photographed uh, iconic images in New York. I think everyone knows that. So that's pretty much our story of, yes? May may I just add that Yoko can actually look out from her windows and from her balcony, which is on Central Park West, and look down onto the Imagine. Uh, so that's pretty much what we have to say about the Dakota, but there's other places that were 
used in the filming of Rosemary's Baby. Just play a lot of places up and down Park Avenue. Believe it or not, uh, a close-up of um, Tiffany's. Mia Farrow's at the corner of Tiffany's looking into a window, but it's not it's a lot creepier than it was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, believe, believe me. There's, a, there's one scene where she gets her hair cut from Vidal Sassoon. Oh, right. And he, he was a you know, very notable hairstylist. In the 60s, he came over to start a salon on Fifth Avenue, and he brought over his assistant, which I believe, if any hair fanatics out there, Paul Mitchell, oh. who, of course, later branched out into his own world of hair products. Also, the, built, the Time Life building was used in the movie briefly for a very key scene where she's meeting up with her friend to tell him that she's being chased by Satanists. Uh, the Time Life building is, uh, was built in the 50s. And, of course, Time Warner, Time, the Time Magazine, and all the right. Time Warner magazines are there. Uh, it was actually built in 1957. I, only, I just wanted to bring it up because I love this story. I the, knew the, you were going to bring it up. Here it comes. The, uh, how they broke ground. They had Marilyn Monroe detonate the first stick of dynamite to begin construction <laughs> to break ground, literally. I mean, I can just imagine. That is the most glamorous <laughs> ground breaking. Like, Marilyn Monroe with, the, with that, like, handle in the box and pushing it down. Yeah, I can just imagine the whole thing. It's really beautiful. So anyway, I hope that you all go out and uh, see the movie, rent it or whatever. So uh, thank you very much for sticking around with us. Now Tom has a little inside well, into what we're doing ne- for the next podcast. Right. This clears up the mystery of the demons. And for the angels, we're going to be taking a look at a church. Now, don't stop the podcast yet. <laughs> We're going to be looking at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Of course, you're thinking, oh, St. Patrick's on Fifth Avenue and 52nd or whatever. But no, we're looking at the original St. Patrick's Cathedral, which is down in Little Italy, when it was built, why it was built there, and why it moved uptown. Trust me, it's a very weird story. So you'll uh, hear about that. I just wanted to let you all know really quickly about our website, BoweryBoysPodcast.com. We have it's updated every day. We have lots of uh, new stuff on there being added. And once again, we absolutely thank you guys for tuning in. It just just makes us want to come and do this more and give you more geeky information and act goofier. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Uh, if you're so inclined, you can write a review on iTunes, oh, and yes. it does it does help things out as well for us. I think we yeah, it. I think that did actually help. Unless you write a that. really nasty review. <laughs> anyway. Thanks a lot. I hope you guys have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. See you real soon. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.